Welcome to Why We Wrote This. I'm your host, Samantha Liney Perfoss. Today, I'm joined by someone who is often working behind the scenes on this podcast, but who does incredible multimedia work for The Monitor, Jingnan Peng. Jing produces the majority of the episodes you listen to, but he also has extensive experience reporting video stories for The Monitor. Today, we're going to talk about some of the work he's done, especially his work reporting on underrepresented communities. Welcome, Jing. Hi, Sam. To get started, why don't you just tell us a little bit about yourself? So I grew up in Beijing. Uh, at the age of 18, I came to the U.S. for college and grad school, and I've been with the Monitor for six years, um, and I mainly do video pieces. What type of stories do you typically pursue? Yeah, I realize I have done a lot of stories that are about uh, minority groups. I do a fair amount of stories about the disability community. Uh, I think there's a personal connection there uh, because my parents, they're both disabled. And also I've done some videos that uh, look at the experience of black communities, Native Americans, uh, etc. Could you give us some examples of recent videos you've done? What was it that was powerful about them to report or what was it that made them video worthy? I just reported a story in Georgia about a disabled veteran who organizes free accessible rides for disabled folks to go vote. In 2020, they offered more than 150 rides for people with a variety of disabilities. And this year for the midterms, they've gotten hundreds of rides out. And I think it's a great example of disabled people helping each other. People might often see stories where disabled folks are framed as the ones who need help, the ones who are receiving help, sometimes from able-bodied folks. But the truth is that disabled people are constantly uh, helping each other. From various videos that I've reported, I've been witnessing the agency and ingenuity of disabled folks. Another somewhat recent video you did was looking at a language nest in Alaska. Could you talk about that one, too? I went with my colleague Jess Mendoza to Fairbanks, Alaska, to capture a day at a language nest, which is a daycare that immerses kids, toddlers, in their ancestral language. So it's a method used by indigenous communities around the world to revitalize their languages. In the U.S., uh, there are many factors that have contributed to the marginalization or disappearance of Native American languages. With my mother, there was one of the early teachers who literally hit her over the head with a log, a piece of firewood, and for speaking her language. And uh, my mom's quite defiant, and she said she spoke her language again and he hit her again and she spoke our language again defiantly and he said i would hit you again with this log but i'm worried that it's going to cause brain damage you better just get out of here my mother had not even shared that story with me until we started to nunchetto our parents or grandparents generation chose not to speak that language to their kids because they didn't want their kids to suffer those same humiliations and wounds 
that was very hard for my generation. There was this hurt of like not feeling native enough in some cases because we weren't able to understand our language or to speak our language. It was really striking to be in a space where that language is the only language that you're allowed to speak. Uh, there's an intention behind the space that is to create an environment where that ancestral language is not marginalized. What I witnessed in the language nest is a space where the language is associated with love, care, and joy. When the children come to me and say something in which it just brings sometimes tears to my eyes, listening to little babies um, talk in our native language. And I really hope that brings healing to multiple generations of the community. What would you say is the value of video as a format as opposed to a print story or a podcast? There's something about video that is really immersive. You know, the camera takes the audience into the lives of the subjects. And so there is a certain immediacy and vividness that you don't quite get with a text story. For instance, you know, I did a story about a black quilt artist, and I can put my camera, you know, super close to her sewing machine. And I can put my camera super close to her face, like her expression when she's making that quilt. There's just all of this wonderful detail and texture of the lives of my subjects. How do you approach video reporting as a monitor journalist? I try to find change makers. The monitor loves to do solution journalism, uh, which is stories that not only explore a problem, but also look at people who are working to address them. It's a wonderful instinct to have because a story that only looks at the problems might not be covering the whole picture. So when I am researching for stories, that is a compass that I have. Where are the change makers? When you produce these videos, what is your hope in terms of how it might impact the viewer? Yeah, I hope that it will broaden people's horizon, uh, especially with underrepresented communities. Uh, people might not know much about the full spectrum uh, and the full complexity of their lives. When I was in Georgia reporting on the disabled veteran who's organizing free accessible rides to the polls, I was really struck by one thing they said. They said that being disabled taught them how people are interconnected and interdependent. For something as simple as just going out on an outing with other disabled folks, some people might need help with eating or drinking. Some people might need help with going to the bathroom. And so they just help each other. COVID has perhaps made the whole society realize how we're interdependent, but that is a wisdom that disabled people might already have and have had for a long time. Thank you for listening. 
To find a transcript and our show notes, which include links to some of Jing's work, go to csmonitor.com slash why we wrote this. This episode was hosted by me, Samantha Liney Perfoss, and co-produced with Jing Nanpeng and Morgan Anderson, edited by Clay Collins. Alyssa Britton was our engineer, with original music by Noel Flatt, produced by the Christian Science Monitor, copyright 2023.